Hey guys. Yeah. Hey, so we're gonna talk tonight, and mainly I wanna share just an encouragement. Like tonight, it's, it's just meant to be an encouragement that we're gonna have some more worship. Um, really, if you leave tonight encouraged that the Lord loves you and he's gonna bring you through whatever season you're in, like we have achieved our purpose, okay? That is, that is the purpose of tonight. But first, I'm gonna tell you guys about how I'm married to a wild man. I don't know if you guys know this, but I am married to an absolute wild man. He does this thing and absolutely baffles me. Absolutely baffles me at the bookstore. And you guys that know me know that I, I really like books. Like I really like to read, it's nerdy, it's okay if you wanna laugh at it, I'm still gonna like it. I like to read, I like to go to the bookstore, I like to take my daughter's bookstore, this is what we like to do. Okay, and so I consider the bookstore kind of some semi-sacred ground, okay? And this wild man, I took him to Barnes & Noble, as I have many times, but, but during COVID, and he did this thing, which he does every time, not just to make me laugh, though he says that, because I see him do it when he doesn't know I'm looking. And this wild man, this is the thing he does. This thing he does. He picks up a book to look at it, that looks interesting, right? Like we do. And then this barbarian turns to the very last page and reads what happens. Who does that? Who does that? The very last page. Just what in the entire world? He's a wild man. He's a wild man. He goes to the very last page and he reads it and I asked him about it, like this, this day, with a catch in the room, I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, I just wanna know how it ends. <laughs> and I'm like, that's why you buy the book and you read the book, and the ending is so much better if you read the whole story, and this little statement will preach in itself, but he's like, I wanna know how it ends, and it's just so wild to me that he skips an entire book to look at the end, and then he'll go back and read it, because he's wild, man. And like, who does that when you already know, but like, that's what he does. But tonight, we're gonna be a bit like this wild man. Okay, and we're gonna look at the end of the story. We're gonna look at the end of our story and what the Bible says is waiting for us in Christ Jesus. Um, so here's our scripture. It's Revelations 21, verse one through five. So you go there on your phone, it'll be up here. Um, but this is going to be our main text tonight, and really this is our only text tonight, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? In Revelations 21, verses 1 through 5, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and he will dwell with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So this is where we got the title for this. Let's write this down. Because Jesus is saying in this passage, write this down. 
There is a day where this earth, the one we're sitting in right now, is going to pass away. And King Jesus is going to return. He's going to make everything new. And there's not going to be tears or crying or sorrow or pain. And I don't know about you guys, but that is some really, really good news. Some really good news. Because Matt and I, we've been in campus ministry for a minute, we'll say, for many, many years. (laughs) And... Honestly, most of my job, most days, is sitting with students, and I do a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of praying. And the thing I hear over and over again, but more, more now than I ever have in the past in campus ministry, is how students just feel hopeless. There's, I've spent so many lunches, coffee dates, one-on-ones, talking with students who are wrestling with hurt and hopelessness, and how to trust God in the midst of living in this messed up world. And you guys, it's hard. It's hard. Like we were praying for Nashville. This world is messed up. There's a lot of tough stuff. And I think um, as, I, as I sit with people and I hear their story and hear how they're hopeless, I'm reminded of my own story and of, of times when I was hopeless. And so I'm going to share a little bit of my story And then we're going to get back to the big story of the Bible, right? Um, But for you guys that don't know me or just getting to know me, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So this doesn't mean that if you did grow up in a Christian home, you should have it all together, right? Like you did or you didn't. But like if you are human, you don't have to have it all together, right? Most of us don't, even if we pretend we do. Um, But I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And that means I didn't grow up with this framework of any kind of knowing God or trusting that in God or having, you know, somebody that I could talk to in days that were really hard and when situations had me really low, like there wasn't any kind of framework of like, you can cry out to God and you can pray and talk to him. I didn't grow up with any kind of framework like that. I had a great dad who traveled a lot, a mom who loved me but struggled with mental illness, like really, really heavy mental illness. And honestly, though my parents loved me, my life was a mess. So often it felt out of control. I didn't even know what I would come home to because if you've ever lived with somebody with mental illness, like you might come home from school and like things are good. You might come home from school and things are wild in a million different ways. And so like that can make you feel really out of control. I felt hopeless and me being very myself, I tried to fix it. I tried to fix it and I wanted to feel like life wasn't out of control. So for me, trying to feel like life wasn't out of control led to an eating disorder. Because I was like, I can't control anything else. Started controlling what I ate and what I put in my body. I don't recommend it. Um, And I wanted to feel loved, which led to really unhealthy relationships with guys. And nothing I tried to do or make my life better on my own worked. In fact, it only got way worse because I could not fix myself. And I really ended up in a place where I was just done with life and I felt hopeless. And quite honestly, I felt numb. There was a point um, in my story when I was really struggling with my eating disorder and I went to a doctor because really struggling. And they were like, if you continue this, you are going to probably die. And I, I didn't feel anything. You would think somebody would be like, oh, man, this is a big deal. This is a wake-up call. It wasn't. I I just felt numb. I was so hopeless. And around that time, I had a rock-bottom experience where 
It was, I was sexually assaulted. You guys have heard me talk about this. Have you heard my testimony before? And I just hit this place of complete desperation. So I didn't have a Christian friend. I didn't have a church or anything. But when I was a really little girl, I had gone to church choir because my mom thought she likes to make noise. We'll put her in like kids choir and that'll be good. And somehow singing these like three and four year old church choir songs some little truth about God got into my little kid brain and, it, and then it like just sat there for like 10, 15 years, right? It just sat there. But as I was like in just this place of, of like absolute low, I was at home, I was by myself in my bedroom and I was just like, I have no idea what to do. Like I feel hopeless, I don't care. And so I got on my knees and I cried out to God. And I would like to say that I knew how to pray. I didn't, but I was just like, God, if, if you're real, like this thing that like I sang songs about and you really care about my life, would you, would you come fix this and would you help me? And it was super not eloquent, right? Super not any kind of like prayer that anybody would be like, well, that's a good, it wasn't that, but I just cried out to God, right? And in that moment of crying out to the Lord, the Lord met that because he's a gracious, loving God that wants to know us more than we wanna know him. And he met me in that moment of prayer and it's not like I heard an audible voice, but like I can tell you that like I got down on my knees hopeless and then all of a sudden my life was flooded with hope. Like there's, there's this old hymn and you guys, like I said, I like to read, I like nerdy things, I like hymns, okay? And there's, there's this old hymn and it says this way, and this, I think this is like the best summation of what happened in my life. I heard this hymn when I was like older and I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. And, it. and it says like, long did my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke my dungeon filled with light. And really it was like that moment I got down to pray. There was nothing. I felt like I was hopeless in a dungeon. And I cried out to God and it's just like he flooded my life with hope, flooded my life with hope. And so really, all I knew is that I needed help and I couldn't help myself. I didn't really know much about God, but when he came to my life, things started to change. And I don't mean that like, I prayed that prayer and I had hope and I got up and like everything was cotton candy and rainbows and unicorns, it was not. Like I prayed that prayer and I got up and I still had to walk into my very messed up life with my not good relationship with guys and with my eating disorder that the Lord slowly led me out of, right? But, but I had hope and I had a reason and I wanted to live and I wanted to know this God. And so it was like the Lord just put this, this hope that really for me looked like hunger, like where I could have cared less, this hunger came in to my life. And really that's when things for me started to shift. And here's what's happened is I found love. Like I found love. In that moment, I found love. I met the one who was in control because I was not in control. No matter how much I tried to be in control, I very quickly tried to be in control, which led to me being controlled by a, a bunch of sin. Um, but I found the one who was in control and I found hope. And so we've heard so much in this semester about how God is moving. We've heard about revival at Asbury, right, and other universities. Um, hunger for God is increasing. 
And we see students and people all over the world starting to seek God like they never have before. And at the same time, right, though we see these people seeking the Lord like they never have before, we see how broken, how broken this world is. It's scary. Like you guys, we live in Memphis where some people, I'm friends with them, but they're afraid to go out of their homes or go out at night or visit the mall. Which, which, that shouldn't be the life, right? But that's how it is. You guys have all lived through a pandemic where there was so much uncertainty. I can't imagine what that was like trying to process as a teenager because I can tell you it made absolutely no sense as an adult. Absolutely none. Um, there are school shootings taking place in major cities around the country on almost a monthly basis, if you look at the statistics. Anxiety and depression are at all-time highs. There's a record-breaking amount of people who are struggling with addictions to drug and pornography. It's a dark world out there. It's really dark. So how do we reconcile this idea that God's on the move with the fact that our world seems every day to grow more and more and more broken? How do we reconcile those? Um, so I believe these two things are happening, sim- happening simultaneously because those of us who have trusted in Christ as our Lord and Savior have something that the world doesn't. And it's hope. Like, I really believe that, like, there can be people that are so hungry for more of God and going after him because they have hope while living in this world that is, like, so absolutely broken and, and really, like, sometimes it's so sad it feels crushing. But that hope is what's, what helps people to keep going and, and to even have, like, joy in the middle of it and rejoice in it. And when I talk about hope, it's not just as Jesus, in Jesus as our Savior, which he is our Savior. He absolutely is that. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He worked miracles. He was beaten. He was falsely tried. He was hung on a cross and arose three days later so that we could be set free from sin and made right in relationship with God. And we can have that saving relationship with God right now, today. We can say, Jesus, I want to know you. And we can invite him in. And he will come and he will work in our lives and he'll help us to have that relationship. But here's the cool thing, the really cool thing. It doesn't stop there. Like that is like the beginning of like you have tiptoed through the door of what God has. Jesus didn't just suffer and die and rise from the dead to deal with our sins here and now. But his plan is like bigger than that. When Jesus rose from the dead, he forever defeated death and the grave and sin And scripture tells us that he's coming back again. And when he does, he's going to make all things right. So when he comes back, he's going to make all things right. And that's where our verse comes in. Look one more time. Where it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. The amplified version of verse five says, write this down for these words are faithful and true. And then it says they are accurate, they are incorruptible and they are trustworthy. So this promise that Jesus is coming again, that he's gonna make everything new and there's not gonna be death or crying or sadness or pain. 
Jesus says, write this down because you can take this to the bank. Right? He said it and it's nothing can shake it. Nothing can shake it. There's, there's not a pandemic that can shake it. There's not a sickness or cancer that can shake it. Right? Like this is more true than anything we see or experience on this earth. This is more true. So he says, I'm going to need you to write this down. Right? This news is so good that I'm going to need you to take out a pen and some paper or take out your phone and put it in your notes app so you can keep this promise where you can see it. Because you're going to need to see it sometimes, but it's super true. It's so true you can take it to the bank and cash it in. It's going to happen. This is our hope as Christians. This broken mess of a world is not all there is. King Jesus is going to come again, and when he does, he's going to make all things new. And so, in the Lord of the Rings, if any of you guys are Lord of the Rings fans, Kimber is. Um, there's this quote from Samwise Gamgee, and I think it encaps, encapsulates this idea, and I love it so much that it's kind of like become my anthem in this season of life. Um, but he says this to Gandalf. He says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead. Is every sad thing going to come untrue? And the answer to that is like, yes, yes. Tim Keller put it this way. And like to give a little context for this Tim Keller quote that I'm about to read you guys. This was when he gave a sermon on the fifth anniversary of September 11th. So he was, he was speaking on a heavy day and he, and he quote, quotes Samwise Gamgee, the Hobbit, right? And he's like, is every sad thing going to come untrue? This is what Tim Keller says. The answer is yes. The answer of the Bible is yes. If the resurrection is true, then the answer is yes. Yes, every sad thing is going to come untrue. Every sad thing is going to come untrue. I don't know about you, you guys, but like, that's good news. That's good news. So the brokenness in your life, that sickness you or a loved one struggles with, anxiety, depression, the sin you're struggling with, the addiction, the pain life has caused all of it. One day King Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set it all right. And this broken world isn't going to be our reality. See, sin broke the world. We can read about that in Genesis, right? And Adam and Eve, they took the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat and they ate it. And this world turned into a broken mess. Um, and as the world continued to be broken by sin... People were hurt, and hurting people hurt people. And so a lot of times today we end up in a place where, like, it's not just, like, you personally sinned, so that's why your life hurts. Sometimes it's that, but a lot of times it's just, like, you were born into this messed up world of hurting people, and, like, life happens at you, yeah. right? And it's not our fault or choosing, and that can be really heavy, it makes sense that anxiety rates are at all-time high. And I'd argue that for people who feel like they don't want to be here, if this world, like this world we're living in, is all you think is real, I don't know that I want to be here either. Like a very sane conclusion is, it's not super fun here. But we have the hope of the resurrection that tells us King Jesus is coming back. The problem is that there's an enemy of our souls, and he wants to kill he wants to steal. He wants to destroy. And he would like nothing better than for you to conclude that since this world is so broken and sad, you either don't want to be here at all 
or it's all pointless anyways, so you might as well live for pleasure or power or fame because you think that's all that matters. The thing is, though, the enemy, he's wrong. He's wrong. The devil's a liar, and he doesn't want us to know the whole story. And so I try to think of an example of this, right? Try and go with me, okay? But the devil doesn't want us to know the whole story. And I was thinking about it. So I have two daughters, and we like to watch girly movies, right? And the other day I was talking with my youngest about Cinderella, the live-action one. If you guys have seen it. But if you've seen any Cinderella, you'll be able to track with this. And, like, the devil wants us to think that our story is like Cinderella if you watch the movie all the way to when the wicked stepmother sees her all dressed up, rips apart her dress, and tells her she can't go to the ball. And we hit stop. Like, that's what the devil wants you to think. That's your life. That's your life. It's just all this mess. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've watched Cinderella, all the good parts of the story are after that. But the enemy wants us to think that like this year, right now, the sad moment where your dress is all ripped up and you're just crying in the garden, like that's all there is. So what's the point? But Jesus is like, man, we're not even to the good part yet. If we just hold on a little bit longer, we just hold on a little bit longer. See, the whole story of scripture is this, the world, the broken one we're living in, it's not all there is. If it was, yes, that would be very hard to deal with. But the Bible tells us that King Jesus has a master plan to come back and set everything right. And when he does, it won't just be for a few days or a few weeks. It'll be for all time. And that's really good news. That's the hope. That's the hope we have. And so we learn about Jesus. We come to know and serve him. We live in this broken world for just a little bit. But if we could like see our life this little bit that we're living as like a drop in the span of eternity, we're here for just a little bit. And we have hope because this isn't all there is. We know this is just the waiting room for something so much better where there won't be sickness, there won't be sorrow, there won't be pain, there won't be cancer, there won't be COVID, there won't be anxiety or sports injuries or divorce or abuse or parents who leave or loved ones who die. We'll be forever with God in heaven. Jesus said, write it down. Write it down. Make sure you remember that, that he's coming back and he's going to make all the sad things come in true. He doesn't want you to forget. It's good news, but we need to write it down for the hard days that we have now, that we have something so much better coming for us, so much better. So if you're here today, we're going to pray and I think there's like two things I would encourage you guys to pray about. We'll pray for a few minutes. And we're just going to go back into worship and enjoy Jesus, right? Because <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, we have two prayer points. If you're here today and your life feels hopeless, I encourage you to cry out to Jesus just as we spend this time in prayer and ask him to help you to know him and to follow him. Because for those of us that know Jesus, there is hope. There is this hope of being forever in eternity with God. And whether we feel it or not, our future in heaven with God is sure. It's a fact. Like Jesus said, we can write it down. So if you're feeling hopeless, I encourage you just to cry out to Jesus and be like, Jesus, would you be my savior? And would you help me to know this reality? Okay, the second thing I think we need to pray, out, pray about is if you're here today and you do know Jesus, you know how you get to experience him here, but that you're waiting for a future that's gonna be so much better. And here's the challenge. What are you gonna do while you're waiting? 
What are you going to do while you're waiting for every sad thing to come untrue? Because there's other people who need this hope. They're literally everywhere, right? Will you tell them? Will you lean into this broken world and let them know the good news that this isn't all there is and that King Jesus is coming back and he has something so much better waiting for them? So I just invite you guys, um, we're not gonna do like a formal altar call. I'm gonna pray and then go worship. And I invite you guys to pray about these two things. If you're hopeless, cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you come in and would you give me life and salvation and hope? And if you're like, Jackie, I already know him, then pray and be like, Jesus, show me somebody who needs, who needs to know this, who needs to know this. Because really my prayer my prayer for you first, guys, is that you know Jesus because he's awesome. My prayer for you guys that already know him is that Jesus would break your heart when you walk by people that are hurting. That, like, you would be walking across campus and you would see somebody crying and you might really, really be on the way to something important, but Jesus would so break your heart that you can't walk by. Yeah. That you're like, man, they need this thing I got. They need to know that all the sad things can come untrue. And, and I, I really pray that. I really pray that Jesus would break your heart for those around, around you that are hopeless because you have good news. They don't, they don't know it yet, right? And so that God would put people in our hearts that we would be able to share this with. So Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are our savior, King Jesus, that you went to the cross and you died for our sins and you made a way for us to be made right with you so we could have forever relationship with God. Go to heaven, Lord, and God, be part of this reality where all the sad things come untrue. God, I pray that you would make it real to us tonight, more real than the air we breathe. God, more real than the floor beneath our feet. God, the reality of your love, your kingdom, your ability to make this broken world new when you return. God would just be so much more, God, than any other reality to us. Lord, you are so good. You are so good. God, teach us to know you, to understand who you are. And God, lead us to the hopeless. In Jesus' name.